I'm excited about what God has put on my heart for this week, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Last week we talked about, who remembers? Love. That's the strawberry, right? Why did we use the strawberry? Listen, I know I say this all the time, but when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, if you missed last week, it's foundational. You need to go back and listen to it online. You can listen on YouTube, Facebook. You can go to our church website because all of the other fruits I'm going to talk about, if you don't have love, then the rest of it's not going to make sense. It doesn't really work out. And the reason I had strawberry representing love is because think about Valentine's Day. It's all about love. You give, you know, usually cover it in chocolate, but it makes it even better, right? How many of you agree? So that's what that represented. But I want to t- today I want to start with a little game. We're going to race. No, I'm kidding. We're going to, I'm going to show you five pictures. And I'm, as I do it, I want you to mentally in your head think, is this, is this a person a Christian or are they not? So I want you to look at them and determine, do you think this guy, does he look like a Christian? Yeah. 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 Say, look at that. We've got smiles and stuff right there. Yeah. Okay. What about this gal? Yes, yes, maybe, yes, I don't know, maybe. Uh, What about this family? Boy, they look happy and content, right? How many of you know Facebook? Sometimes we always post the best pictures and then there's fighting going behind. How many of you know Facebook's not always real? What about them? Nice young teens, young 20-something-year-olds? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, What about this nice couple? All right, so here's the thing. That was kind of a trick. Because there's no possible way to know somebody's spiritual condition by simply looking at a picture. Right? I mean, you guys know that. Sometimes we judge other people. Oh, they got a big smile. Look at their fashion choice. Look at their hairstyle. Look at their makeup, their car, whatever. Uh, How many of you know there is no biblical basis for judging somebody off of that? You can't determine whether somebody is a Christian simply by looking at what they look like. Oh, wow, that's got pretty. However... We can tell if someone is a Christian by watching and observing their behavior. And let me say, that's not being prejudiced or opinionated. How many of you know that's biblical? That's biblical. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul lays out the evidence of a a sinful life. And so I'm going to recover this. Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to cover this each week. So When you follow, and this is Paul talking, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. And then look what he says at the last of this verse. Let me tell you again, as I have before that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So regardless of what you look like on the outside or maybe what you claim to be, somebody that is following after that lifestyle is not following and not obeying Jesus. And, And notice that I didn't say that they don't believe in Jesus because you can believe in Jesus and still have a lifestyle that represents that. Oh, I believe God. There's many people that believe in God. There's many people that believe in Jesus. They just don't obey him, right? They don't follow him. That's kind of like understanding, and and I think you guys probably know this, that if you go out and kill somebody in cold blood, how many of you know that's against the law, right? Right? Not rocket science right there. And if you do that and you get caught, where are you going to go? 
You're going to go to jail. Exactly. Uh, how many of you know when you eventually go stand before the judge, you can't come with your... Here's my defense. Oh, judge, I believe that it's wrong to kill people like that. I understand that it's wrong, so I shouldn't suffer any consequences because that's what I believe. What's he going to say? You're still going, you're guilty. Exactly, right? Now, here's the thing. You can believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to die on the cross, but if we don't repent and change our way, guess what? You are not following Jesus. Right? Oh, but I believe in him. But you're not following Jesus. There's a difference there. So those are the life of uh, acts of a sinful nature. But then go, Paul goes on to the opposite list, and this is the evidence. This is what you can observe in someone's life to see if they're really a follower of Jesus. He says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, where's my strawberry, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these, there is no law. This would be, if you haven't memorized the fruits of the Spirit, I want to encourage you to do that. We got like eight more weeks to learn that in. Memorize it. It's good for us to look at, but the proof that somebody has, is following Jesus and has the Holy Spirit is that these things become evident in their life. And I did share this last week, and I want to say it again. Don't base your judgment on somebody if they're a Christian simply by what they say, because if this isn't evident in their life, then that's not necessarily mean that they're following Jesus, right? A lot of people in church, oh, yeah, I follow Jesus, but then they're backstabbing, causing dissension, uh, all kinds of stuff that is going on. So like I said, we talked about fruit. I'm skipping the second fruit, uh, joy. You would think that I would normally talk about that one, but I'm jumping to peace. There's a reason for it. It's because uh, peace today is representing, how many of you know what that is? Cherries. cherries. How many of you guys like cherries? Oh, yeah, they're awesome. I love cherries. And uh, the reason I'm jumping to cherries is because cherry season is almost over, and I didn't want to wait till next week and chance, because everybody that leaves today, you're getting a little bag of cherries, a little bag. It's only got about five or six cherries in it, so... Uh, because they're not cheap. But the reason is that if I wait till next week, you may be getting rotten cherries. <laughs> and that's not good. The fruit of the Spirit is not rotten. So you got fresh. They came from Boa Vista just up the hill, so they're nice and, and yummy, right? So why would I choose cherries to represent peace? What's the purpose in that? Well, let me tell you. Do you realize in the, in the natural world that, that peace has all kinds of benefits? If somebody is a, as a peaceful person, how many of you know they have less stress? less anxiety that is going on. Blood pressure can be lowered. If you come into the doctor's office and you're all stressed out, your blood pressure is going to be high. But if you can have peace that actually has an effect on your body, then there are health benefits to that. Now, the same thing is true with the cherry. Now, this may, I may make cherry your favorite fruit after I tell you this. There are benefits, physical benefits to eating cherries. Cherries boost your workout recovery. So when you go work out, like pop some cherries, right? They help you recover. Cherries can help you get better rest. You're like, what? If you need to sleep a little bit more, eat some cherries. There's, there's things in it that will help you rest better. They help lower your blood pressure. Like how many of you are like, oh man, I'm going for that right now. They reduce inflammation if you've got swollen joints and stuff. And I love this last one. They promote brain health. How many of you want some cherries now, right? And, and if you look at it, oh, I didn't even put my cherry picture up there. If you look at it, and, and uh, even Coca-Cola realizes that cherries uh, means peace. Don't buy that because that's probably full of sugar. But uh, uh, 
The reality is that peace is really needed in our world. How many of you would agree, right? If you you uh, wars going on, terrorism, plagues, shootings. It seems like shootings are happening all the time. And, and, and how many of you know there's also constant political tension? There's racial tension. Turn on the news and what do you see? A bunch of angry people yelling all the time. Right? Go through social media and there's all kinds of angry rants about uh, whether it's politics or this restaurant or that situation. Anybody ever like look at somebody's post and it says, all right, this is a rant, and they're going to start ranting about something. You know what I usually do? I scroll on by. I don't want to read somebody's rant. Whatever. I got my own things to rant about. So I don't need, I don't need somebody else's issues. We need that in the world. We need peace, right? And if you add to all of those things, how many of you have turmoil and trauma and tension in your own life? It's like, there's all of these outside issues that, that ruin my peace, but I got my own issues. Anybody say that? I got my own challenges. Whether it's at work, school, work, family, finances. Anybody get stressed out over finances? All right? Here's the thing. We all want and we all need peace. We all need it. Paul is the one that wrote Galatians. And uh, he, I like how he starts out the book of Galatians where the fruit of the Spirit is. And he starts out, he doesn't do just his book. A lot of his books he writes, he starts out with grace and peace. He couples those things together. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. All right, how many of you like th- getting good things that you don't deserve, right? And, uh, and he couples that peace, we don't deserve it. But he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. So that's the beginning of the book. If you jump all the way to the end of Galatians, I like how he wraps it up. Again, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even of Israel. So peace was important to him. We, we think of peace. How many of you want peace? I think of uh, my wife, and my kids will know this, that uh, whenever Mother's Day would roll around, and they're like, what do you want? What do you want? And, and uh, she would always say, I just want peace. Like for one day, how many of you moms would say amen when your kids were like, can I have one day of peace, right? So we all have a different idea of what peace would be. Uh, some of you guys, when I say that, you might think of something like this, right? Yeah, I heard some of those yes. How many of you would like to be there right now? Let me just picture my little uh, chair out here, somebody bringing my coconut drink, and uh, wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, when we try to get away, we always try to go to the coast, even though it's so expensive, because, I mean, we like it. So you may think of peace that way. Maybe you think of it like this, a nice walk in the forest. Right? How many of you like that? With the big old trees there? You know that's got to be from California. And you know what makes a walk in the forest better? The nice wind blowing, rustling through the trees. Nobody else around, no road noise or anything like that. And, and then you might think, you know what, I want to take that piece a step further and put my hammock up. Oh, yeah. Every, you guys, aren't you guys just kind of feeling more relaxed right now? Just as I'm talking, you're hearing that. Uh, some of you guys may say, you know what, this is what's peaceful to me. Right? Any, how many of you like would want to, oh, yeah, look at those hands up. I'd go for that one right there. I would not go for that one because I never catch anything and it only frustrates me. So uh, if you happen to have small children, then uh, maybe a night of uninterrupted sleep would be peace. I heard yes, right? Like just a little bit of, can I just have one night or maybe have a meal with nothing spilled? 
Like, that would be amazing, right? Whatever it is, maybe uh, uh, peace is uh, uh, sleep for you, putting on music, whatever it is. The point is, everybody is looking for and longing for peace. Everybody, whether you're Christian, non-Christian, doesn't matter who you are, everybody wants to have that, and we search for it. We try all kinds of different things. Meditation, hmm, have you ever thought, does, does humming and meditation, hmm, I'm going to get peace. Right at the end of that, I'm just like, you know, my throat's sore, right? Let me light the right scent, you know. Oh, that's going to bring me peace. Uh, drugs and alcohol. How I many of you know, sometimes people turn to that because they just want to shut the noise off. Vacation. Let's go on this vacation. That's going to do it. Oh, well, that was good for a moment. But guess what? Your vacation is always over. Yeah. Anybody ever feel like you need a vacation from your vacation? Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, I, oh, it was kind of relaxing, but I'm kind of stressed out now. Right, so it doesn't always do it. Whatever, whatever it is, di- peace, chasing after it, it always seems to be distant and unobtainable. How do I get that? No matter what we buy, no matter what we try, how many of you know we just cannot make peace? It is impossible in our own ability to create peace in our life. On your own, you just can't do it. Why is the reason for that? Because, number one, we battle against our own sinful nature. Our own evil desires, the own things that, that work up in our society, our culture, media doesn't help us out in any of that. So, so our flesh is constantly battling against our spirit. And then you add all of the external factors that you can't do anything about. How many of you know you cannot control somebody else's driving? Anybody ever want to? <laughs> and, and whether you realize it or not, your horn does not fix the situation. <laughs> and I see some of you guys like, oh, no, you know, it, it only uh, a lot of times it actually escalates it. So you can't control other people. You can't control sickness. You can't control politics. Well, I vote. I encourage you to vote. But how many of you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. There's no way that you're ever going to make all the things in your life and outside of your life line up to where you live in perfect peace. All right, because this is kind of what it's like. Anybody ever try, try to put a, uh, a Tupperware lid that was a little bit too small on, the, on a container? Because right, so you, you got like 50,000 lids, and it's like, which one's the right one? And so you're kind of pushing it down on this side, and you're going over there, and you're trying to get it set down on this side, and all of a sudden it pops up on the other side. You guys know what I'm talking about. That's how it is when we're, we're, we're in life. And we're like, okay, I'm trying to get peace right here. Okay, I'm working for it. Okay, I got peace. And how many of you know something over here blows up? Amen. Oh, man. So you go over here and you're like, oh, man, let me, let me get peace. Let me get that over here. And the thing that you had peace in, all of a sudden that now blows up. And so all of these situations in our life uh, really make peace very unattainable. But I do want to tell you there is good news because peace is possible. It is possible, and it's not the result of some kind of quest or search. Peace is a byproduct of having the fruit of the Holy Spirit working inside of you. Amen? Working inside. So I'm going to look at three dimensions of peace. I've got three of them, but I'm going to start with number three first. So the three dimensions of peace, number one is being peaceful. Let me just give you my definition of what it means to be a peaceful person. If you're a peaceful person, that means you're not competitive, you're not causing division or strife, you're content in Jesus, you're secure in who you are, you're able to fully and freely love others, all because the Holy Spirit's working in your life. Amen? Amen. And you can do this fill-in. Peaceful is an external thing. It's how you respond and react to other people. 
Like if you're honking your horn because somebody cut you off, how many of you know you're probably not peaceful? Well, they deserve it. You know, if you get mad at your server because they didn't fill your water up in time, you know, I'm going to show them. I'm not going to give them a tip. How many of you know that's not peaceful thing? If somebody says something or looks at you wrong uh, and you respond with anger or frustration or annoyance, uh, that's not peace. Big surprise. So, uh, so that's number three. That's our external. The second one is being peace-filled. That's what's internal. That's what I feel. That's how I feel on the inside. It's my perspective, my attitude, and, uh, and really uh, my outlook on life. Am I feeling peace on the inside? Am I feeling that sense? And, and the reality is both of these are connected, aren't they? I'm going to show you because it's difficult to be a peaceful person on the outside if I don't have peace on the inside. Does that make sense? Like I can't, you know, if I've got all kinds of anxiety on the inside going on, that's, that's what's going to come out, all right? That's going to be on the outside. And if you're not peaceful, if you're a person that causes conflict and trouble, there's no way you're peace-filled. You're not filled with peace. It's not. They're connected. What's inside, peace-filled, comes out on the outside is peaceful. Those two are connected. It's like if you had a tube of toothpaste... Anybody ever like squish it down to the last bit to where there's nothing left? You're squeezing it. Listen, if nothing is coming out, you, you know, this is a toothpaste hole, uh, uh, tube, right? Shouldn't something coming out? Only if there's toothpaste in it. And in our life, the only way peace is going to come out of us is if there's peace on the inside of us. Makes sense, doesn't it? It's the position of your heart. Wherever you are, it affects the words that come out of your mouth. Your attitude, your behavior, all of that stuff is connected. And, and listen, you guys know that it's true, right? When things aren't going or aren't good around you, anybody ever have bad things happening in your life? Yeah, yeah I saw some no, no. Yeah, we all have, right? And, and, and when that happens, and then all of a sudden it, my attitude gets bad, uh, I get in a bad mood, I get grouchy, whatever it is, it's like, uh-oh, man, that's something reflective right here. You're not peace-filled whenever that happens. So when you don't feel that peace on the inside, that means that we're lacking that fruit of the Spirit in our dealings with other people. What's going on? Being peace-filled and peaceful is connected. So which one of these is better? Have you ever thought about that? How many of you know they're both important? As a matter of fact, I would suggest you can't have one without the other. And so if you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I want to have both. You want to be peace. How many of you guys want peace on the inside? Right? I mean, my hand's up, right? That means that you're going to be peaceful on the outside. We want both. How do we get that? How do we obtain that? Well, uh, Paul says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus our Christ our Lord has done for us. So we have peace with God because of what Jesus did. We've been made right with him. And it says, because of our faith, I love this, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege. Some versions say grace, right? Grace is undeserved. You don't deserve it, but he brings us to a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. So that is, here's the thing. If you don't have peace with God, you're not going to get peace from God. God does not give his peace out to people that do not have him on the inside. He is the prince of peace. 
That's one of the names that God has for Jesus. And if you don't have him on the inside, you're not going to get peace. It doesn't come that way. So here's the number one on that fill-in is peace with God. It comes from our faith in Jesus. You have to have it, and it has to be in that order. It's in that right relationship. So uh, 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 that coupled with his grace gives us that. How many of you know that's something to celebrate? Amen? So this is our life without Christ, right? Uh, so here's what I want us to understand. And, lo- and looking at these different three, I've got three different circles. Uh, the first one is that you have to have... Man, I'm fumbling with everything here. You've got to have peace with God. That's the center of our circle. When you have Christ on the inside, then on the inside, all of a sudden, you become peace-filled. I'm all of a sudden, I'm filled with peace. And if you've got, if you are peace filled and you know, a lot of people don't have that. And that's why there's anxiety. Like I said, there's why uh, so many people have fear. They have that lack of a center. If you don't have the center, how many of you know, you're not going to have, you're not going to be filled with peace. You're just not going to do it. But once you get filled with peace, then all of a sudden on the outside, people begin to see you as a more peaceful person. Doesn't that make sense? Why are we lacking? We need him. And, uh, and, and let me just say this. There are some people, and even Christians, I believe, that have a codependent relationship with conflict. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Back in my day, and we were in high school, we called them the drama queens. Anybody ever remember that term? All right, I don't know if there's a different name for it now, uh, but somebody that was like that, every issue, no matter how small, it was a huge issue. Right? It became a big thing. They, and, and not only that, they always seem to find drama. Have you ever met someone like that? It's like everywhere they go, they always seem to find drama. How is it that you find all the problems? And listen, if there's not a crisis, then they sometimes manufacture one. And if there's no drama going on in their, their life, how many of you know they find drama going on in somebody else's life? Ah, oh, there it is. You know what? Let me jump into your drama. My, my drama closed, so I'm joining your drama, right? And I don't know if conflict gives them meaning, problems give them purpose, whatever it is. And, and here's the thing. The problem with people like that, they tell you that, they give you their drama, and they expect you to join in. Yeah. Am I right? Like, hey, listen, my drama's going in. I need you to join in. No, I don't need to join in. And what happens is if you don't join into their drama, how many of you know they get mad at you? How could you not join this? This is horrible. This is a situation. You need to be a part of this thing. Like, no, I don't. I mean, people that are like that, they cause problems at work. You may have worked with one. Uh, Maybe at school, church. Sometimes that happens in church, right? And, And it's what they've always done. So the challenge is sometimes we meet people that are like that, and too often we just say, you know what, let's just give them a pass. That's their personality. That's just kind of how they are uh, when the reality is that they are lacking the fruit of the spirit of peace, what, the fruit of the spirit of peace. They don't have peace with God. They're not filled with peace. You can't cause issues in other lives if you're a person that is filled with peace. Am I right? And so we don't need to excuse that. The root issue is because they're not peace-filled, they can't be peaceful. If you're trying to be peace-filled... If you're trying to have peacefulness, you've got to have him. Here's what happens. If you don't have him at the center, then guess what? Everything else falls apart. You've got to have Jesus. He's got to be at the center. He is foundational. He is the beginning. Now, bear with me as I put this thing back up. Because it's my illustration. I worked on it. <laughs> well, my wife did the letter, so... Uh, 
If I would have written on it, you would have been like, what did he write up there in Greek? What is that? So, uh, so it has to start with Jesus being at the center of it. Now, there's been a large-scale, centuries-old conflict in our world. Uh, some of you guys maybe know what I'm talking about. It's been uh, the Muslim world against the Jewish state of Israel. And even before they were state, how many of you know, there was conflict. It was going on. It's been going on. Many presidents have had tried to have peace agreements, right? We're going to bring peace in the Middle East. How many of you guys remember that? That was a catchy little rhyme there. But most of any kind of success that has happened, it's either been short-lived or it usually just fails altogether. There's the solution to that problem isn't politics. There's not a politician. There's no peace accord. No summit really is going to work until they discover Jesus. That's the bottom line. They will never be at peace with each other because they're not at peace with God. They're trying to have that peace. And of course, people that have without Jesus, they have conflict. And uh, although they may have peaceful moments, they're never going to be peace-filled. It doesn't work that way. So the best that they can do is manage their circumstances. All right, well, I'm just going to put up with you. You know what? I'm just going to deal with you. Anybody ever try to make peace with somebody when you don't have Christ? (laughs) It's like, I'm just going to go make peace. Good luck because you're not the peace giver. We can't make peace. We can try to, okay, let's agree to disagree. Let's agree not to throw anything at each other. Let's agree not to do any words. So you're just kind of managing the situation and still, instead of really having peace, instead of it really being there. Peace with God is where it starts. So like I said, you're never going to be peace-filled if you don't have Christ at the center, and you're never going to be peaceful until you get that whole thing going, right? I know I kind of emphasize that, but I want us to understand that's how it works. You can't go in the opposite order, right? You've got to do it the way he said it. So I want to go back again over Romans chapter 5. And uh, cover that because we like this. Therefore, since we've been right right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Notice that right there. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. How many of you agree with that? We like that. Now, you like that. You may not like the next verse so much. He goes on to say, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Like, wait a minute, pastor, I thought we were talking about peace here. Right, what's going on? What are you talking about? Uh, It doesn't say that we rejoice because there are no more problems or trials, does it? No, it doesn't say that. So let's read it through verse 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Endurance develops our strength of character. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. So how do problems and trial fit with peace? How do we reconcile those things? Because problems and trial don't necessarily, they don't normally give you peace, do they? Like if you're driving down the road and you're 200 miles from home and you get four flat tires, are you thinking... Ah, peace. Right? Or your transmission falls out. How do you reconcile that? Here's the, here's the reality. Peace is not the state of my circumstances that surround me. It's, the, it's uh, my state in the circumstances. What am I at in the circumstances? There is a difference between living in peace and living at peace. Because living at peace is the state of being peace-filled. 
I am at peace no matter what's going on in my life. Even, uh, even if your life is spinning out of control, how many of you know you can still be filled with peace? You can still be there. Maybe you get a horrible diagnosis from a doctor or uh, the circumstances are going crazy or you look at the news and our world is uh, going crazy. You can still have peace in the midst of all of that. You can be peace-filled even when the world has no peace whatsoever. Even when your life has got no peace whatsoever. Because being peace-filled, it's an intentional decision that we make to lean into Jesus and into his rest. There's a verse in Psalms that says to be still and know that I am God. How many of you know if you're running around like Chicken Little and my, my life has fallen apart, the world has fallen apart, this has fallen apart, everything's going to, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh my goodness, I don't have enough money in the bank. Oh no, I just spent $2 million to fill up my tank with gas, you know. Whatever the situation is, let's hope it doesn't go that way or we're all walking from here, right? So uh, uh, we can run around like that and get stressed out, but being peace-filled says, you know what, I'm going to lean into Jesus. I'm going to allow him. It's the assurance in danger. He gives us hope in the midst of despair. So uh, some people may look at you and say, well, you're, yeah, you have peace because you're just ignoring reality. Don't you see what's going on in your life? Don't you see what's going on in the world? Listen, being peace-filled isn't living in a fantasy land. What it is, being peace-filled is the result of a focus and a dependence on God. God, I'm counting on you. Jesus, you are the center. I'm putting you at the center. Even uh, Let me just say this. If everything is up to you to figure out your life, your circumstances, your chaos, uh, then you're always going to be anxious and stressed. You're all, oh, I don't know what I got to do. You know what? I got to try this. Oh, no, that didn't work. I got to try this. Listen, if your problems stay your problems, you're never going to have enough. You'll never have enough time. You'll never have enough money. You're not going to have enough smarts to figure it out. You're not going to have enough answers. You're not even going to have enough ideas. But can I tell you, when we depend on Jesus, he's always more than enough. He's always more than enough. Let me just say this. God is not intimidated by the size of your problem. No, he's not afraid of your enemies. God, God the Father is not up there talking to God the Son and saying, Oh my, did you see the size of their problem? What are we going to do? God, what are we going to... I don't even know what we're going to do. God is not worried about that. Here's the thing. Being peace-filled comes from realizing that the God I serve is more than enough. God is more than enough for your problem. Oh, but you don't understand how big it is. Wait a minute. No, I don't, it may be big, but you don't understand how big our God is. You don't understand what resources he has. But look at what I owe. Look at this. Listen, God is always, always more than enough. I mean, if you think about it, the Apostle Paul who wrote Ephesians, he wrote many of the books in the New Testament. He was not dependent on the circumstances around him to have peace. This is the guy, he said more about peace than anyone else, but amazingly, Paul had more trouble than anybody else. But he talked about it. Look at this, and I just wrote down this list. It's not in your notes or anything, but out of 2 Corinthians 11, he begins to list out the troubles that he had. Look what he says. I'm just going to read it. He says, I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number. He can't even remember how many times he'd been whipped. He's faced death again and again. Uh, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me the 39 lashes. 
Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And that's not what some of you guys are thinking, right? It was like rocks were hitting him and he was left for dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole day and night adrift at sea. I have traveled many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers, from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the city, in the desert, on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, endured many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Wow. Anybody want to trade your life for that? <laughs> it's like, uh, I think I'll, take my, I'll keep my uh, problems, Paul. But most of the letters Paul wrote, they address conflict. They address problems that were going on. And if you look at what we see of Paul's life, on the surface, he never experienced the peaceful, peaceful Paul, oh, I'm going to go to the beach. No, he got shipwrecked. Right? His view of the beach is different than our view of the beach. His view of the beach is land, right? I got land. We're like, you know, bring me my coconut drink. So Paul never experienced that, yet it was Paul who wrote this from the book of Romans, or out of Philippians. Uh, he said this, rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. And just to emphasize it, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Look what he says. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about what? So anything that you're dealing with and you're feeling anxiety, Paul's telling you right here, don't, don't, uh, don't be anxious about that. Anybody going through things that should be anxious about in the natural? Oh, yeah, right? But he says what? Instead of being anxious about it, in everything, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Like, God, I'm going through this situation. I thank you, God. You don't have to thank God for the situation, but you can thank you, God, that you're more than enough. God, here's what I'm going through. Here's my circumstance. And Lord, I present it to you, and I thank you that you are the God that says you will supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. I thank you that you are bigger than any problem that I have, any circumstance I have, any trial that I'm going to. So you present your need, not like this, oh God, I'm going through this and I'm going to die. I don't know what's going to happen. This is the end of me, Lord. This, no, don't do it like that. Come with him with prayer, petition, and with thanksgiving. Because in your thanksgiving, you're declaring who God is. And then Paul says that when you do that, look at what's going to happen. If you will choose to do this, he goes, Then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good? If I can choose to not be anxious and say, Okay, God, here it is. Lord, you're more than enough. God, you're more than enough. I'm bringing it to you. Then all of a sudden, how many of you know, sometimes it's our heart that leads us away from God. When you hear people say, oh, just follow your heart. No, you better not. Because what does the scripture say? Your heart is the deceitful above all things and beyond cure. No, but God will guard our heart and he'll guard our mind. Those thoughts, oh no, is God really real? Is this really going to happen? No, that's God begins to bring peace in our mind and in our heart. And I love what it says. It uh, transcends, it surpasses any understanding. Listen, I have a hard time understanding it. Those that don't have Christ, it's complete like, what? You're crazy. How are you not stressed out? How are you not freaking out about it? 
The fruit of the Spirit, it's not about our surroundings or our circumstances. It's who we are in spite of our circumstances. Amen? Rather than allowing your difficult problems and challenges to chase you away from God, because we've seen this time and time again. People are like, oh man, I've got this problem. I, got, I guess God's not real. He doesn't care for me. He doesn't love me because I've got all these problems and they leave God. Right? So instead of doing that, let that drive you back to the center. Like, oh God, <laughs> look at this mess I'm in, Lord. Whether you did it or somebody did it to you or just circumstances of life, <laughs> let it drive you back to God, to the Prince of Peace. Amen? Amen. So I think, I think we might get a little bit understanding if we understand the Jews, especially in that first century. So let me give you a little bit of the history. I think many of you know, uh, number one, the Jews had been at wars for centuries against many tribes, right? They got conquered, they got defeated uh, by the Roman Empire. Now they're living under occupation. And when we say that, they were paying ridiculous tax. They were oppressed. They weren't free to do just whatever they want. And they were living under that. And, and they'd never have, uh, be at peace with each other unless they had peace with God. They had hope of a Messiah one day to come. But until that day happened, they still needed peace. And so they had a word that they would speak to each other. I think some of you guys know it. It was kind of a greeting, but, but it also had a deeper meaning. And it started with an S. Who knows what that is? Shalom. See, some of you guys knew that. And, uh, and what that word is not, doesn't mean just peace when we see that. Uh, it really has an intention of being hope in conflict. He's saying, I want you to have hope in the midst of that. It's not a freedom from conflict because that's a reality. When they said shalom, they're basically saying, may you have peace in your difficult times. May you have peace while you're going through that. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It is the divine hope of rest in the middle of your conflict. So when you have shalom, it's like, oh yeah, I'm in the middle of my conflict, but I got peace. Why? Because I got peace with God. I can have that. Shalom is uh, around you regardless of what's going on around because you're right with God. And there's that blessing. He blesses us with peace. So here's the, here's the reality. Being a Christian, it doesn't guarantee the absence of bad things in your life. How many of you know, if that were true, there, you know, we wouldn't be able to build churches fast enough. What? I'll never have problem again. I'm going to that church. That sounds amazing, right? Listen, you're still going to face sickness. You're still going to face death, heartache, attacks, struggles, just like everybody else. And, and the circumstances of our world, they're always going to be difficult, dangerous, and confusing. So none of that changes. But here's the, here's the promise. Being a Christian, it does mean that circumstances don't have to ruin my attitude. That's right. It doesn't get to determine that. It doesn't get to ruin my life. Some people get in a situation, my life is ruined. Okay, I'm just picking right here, but sometimes a teenager, they break up with their girlfriend or boyfriend. My life is ruined. It's over. At the time, that's a big deal, but you know, when you're older, it's like, please, you don't even know what problems are coming. <laughs> that's just the beginning. You know what I'm talking about, right? But here's the thing. My circumstances don't have to determine my attitude. Isn't that good? It doesn't mean, oh man, look at all the bad things. Well, I better be grumpy. I better be in a bad mood. No. And it doesn't ruin your life. Remember what Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. You're going to have it, right? So if, let me just say this. If you're facing a difficult circumstance right now, it's not because necessarily you've done something wrong. doesn't mean that you're out of God's will. I mean, you might be. I don't know. But that's, you know, immediately we always think that. 
Oh man, something bad is happening to me. What did I do wrong, God? Where did I blow it? Oh, I knew I should have given Pastor Scott that red Corvette he asked about the other week, you know. Right? It's not about that. The reason you're going through some of the circumstances right now is because you're alive living in a fallen world. If you're alive and breathing, you're, if you're not going through it, let me just put it this way. If you're not going through a trouble right now and everything is good around you, you better rejoice uh, because let me give you the good news. Something's going to happen, yep. right? The other shoe's going to fall. No, I'm not like being pessimistic or anything about it. I just know that we, have, we are sinful people without Christ living in a fallen world, and Jesus says you're going to have it. But what matters is what we do in that trouble, how we respond in it. I want to be peace-filled. I want, if, if we allow Jesus to rule over us, if, if we keep him at the center of our life, even in the bad times, if he's there, if you're anchored, then I want to tell you, this, this peace that doesn't make any sense to the world is always going to be there. If you're a follower of Christ, then instead of seeing your problems, and maybe you're in chaos or whatever it is, instead of seeing your problems, you're going to look to Jesus. Oh, look at my problems. There's a song we used to sing, maybe some of you guys know it, but I think it's actually good theology, and it says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I said it and didn't sing it, so... Uh... Yes, thank you. I, I led it in song in our first service at the end, and I like, please forgive me. Thankfully, other voices uh, got in there. I'm not doing that this time. So uh, here's the thing. When we're, at, when we're not feeling peace, when we have chaos in our life, sometimes people think, you know what? I'm not going to be able to impact anybody for the gospel because I, I've just got too many struggles, too many things going on. But I want to suggest to you that, that at the moment that your world seems to be falling apart the most, that's when you can be the greatest witness ever. You're like, wait a minute, what? So let me, just, let me just share the things that I wrote down there. I'm not wishing this on anybody, but imagine this was you. Your business is failing because of the economy. Your child has left the faith. You're about to undergo chemotherapy. Uh, both of your cars broke down. Your wife left you, your dog left you, and you're in pain. How many of you know, in the midst of all of that seeming to crashing down, you can still be filled with peace? You can still be there as long as God is in the center, as long as Jesus is in the center. You, it, he affects everything about us, our words, our attitudes. Uh, when we are filled like that, how many of you know your life will make a difference in somebody else's? They're going to see your life and they're going to see, wow, you're in chaos. Look at all this bad stuff that's happening to you. How can you be at peace? Because that uncommon peace you have, they're going to see that and they're going to be drawn to Jesus. Like, man, whatever you are going to. So here's what I want you to understand. Peace, it is a fruit of the Spirit, but it's also my testimony to the world. The fact that you can walk in peace in, in the midst of, man, I just filled up my tank, or whatever the situation, right? Whatever the situation. People are looking like, I don't, I don't understand how you have peace. They don't understand. That's why it says it's a peace that passes understanding. The reason they don't understand it is because they don't know Jesus. So if you want to point people to Jesus, yes, go through your troubles, go through your trials, but keep him at the center, and because you are going to be peace-filled, and because your words that come out of your mouth and your actions and your attitudes are going to speak peace, people are going to be like, whoa, I don't know what you got, but I want that. Amen. 
One thing that annoys me is when somebody's happy uh, and people say, whoa, what are you smoking? Anybody ever hear that? It's like, I'm not smoking anything. I got Jesus. And man, I'm not drinking anything. I got Jesus. I've been drinking from the well, right? Drinking from that. So don't, don't say, what are you smoking? No. Who do you have in your heart? I got Jesus. That's why I can be happy in difficulties. That's why I can be uh, happy in trouble. So it is my testimony. And, and I was actually praying about this morning. I didn't put the slide up, but how many of you ever seen the movies where the hero walks away at the end and he's all calm and peaceful and there's a huge explosion in the background? Right? And it's like, like normally you're like, if that big explosion is, I'm ducking behind something, right? Like, oh my goodness, but I had this little mental image that, that your life may be blowing up, but you're just walking through it like this. <laughs> oh yeah, my family just blew up, right? My business just blew up. My health just blew up, but I got peace. I can walk, I can walk in that, amen? Amen. So uh, anyway, <laughs> let me move on. Ephesians, uh, I want to close it with this verse. It says, always be humble. This is Paul again. Be humble and gentle. This is how we're supposed to interact. This is what a peaceful actions look like. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Why? Because of your love. There's my strawberry down there. This, that's why it dates back to you need that first fruit. Because of your love, then he says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. How many of you know, if you don't have peace, you're not going to be bound together? Why is it the divorce and splits and church breakups and all of that stuff happen? Because people are lacking peace. But if we have him and we're filled with that, how many of you know we are bound together? I make allowance for people. How many of you know you don't have to be perfect to come to this church? Because if you did, none of us would be here, including me. I know that's a shocker, right? No, not to my family. <laughs> so uh, I got to have the right attitude. And you say, okay, well, I want to pray for peace. I want to pray to be peaceful. Uh, or maybe I just want to be prayed to peaceful. Listen, good prayer, but it's probably not going to work. It doesn't happen until you have peace with God. So if you're sensing that, that frustration, if you're feeling that anxiety, don't, oh, God, feel, you got to go back to the center. You got to go back to the center. So... Can I have everybody stand? And I do want to pray. If you're here today and you're like, you know what? I have not had peace. Maybe you've been going through stuff, and yes, you've surrendered your life to the Lord, but you're still feeling that anxiety. We're, we're going to give you an opportunity in a minute to have people pray for you. But I first want to address that maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what? Maybe you said a prayer, but you haven't really surrendered it to him. And you want to make sure Jesus is in the center. You want to make sure that he is right there. And you want to make a fresh surrender, a fresh commitment to Christ. Can I have you, if everybody could just bow your head, close your eyes. If you're here today and say, Pastor, I want to make a fresh new surrender to Christ today. Just raise your hand. Amen see a few hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you are the Prince of Peace. Lord God, our world is chaotic. Our lives are chaotic. But Lord, we can surrender to the only one that can truly ever give us peace. So if you're here today, I just want to make that surrender. 
Say, just repeat after me, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending the Prince of Peace into my chaos. And I surrender my life. I surrender my circumstances. I surrender my plans to you. Lord God, you are more than enough. And I confess that I am not enough. So Lord, take my life and take my circumstances. Lord, I submit it to you. Give me that peace, Lord, that only you can give. In Jesus' name.